You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. Welcome back to another episode of Partnernomics Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Brigman. And on today's show, we have Dave Fitzgerald with us. And so Dave is the Vice President for Strategic Alliances for Barco. A really cool, very innovative company that uh, we're going to have a chance to, to learn a lot about. As I was doing a little bit more research into Barco, I noticed that they had uh, over 400 patents. So I love technology. I'm a technology junkie, so I know we're going to enjoy this conversation. But thank you, Dave. You're welcome, Mark. Thanks for having me. So, Dave, I would love to just kind of start with I'm, I'm fascinated and love to hear about people's story. And, and how they've landed where they are now professionally. So if you don't mind, I'd love for you to just share, how did you kind of start into your career? What was the first role? And then, uh, you know, you've definitely carved out a, a career in the partnering space. How did, what, what caused you to land in this world of partnerships? Yeah, you know, I think it may have started pretty early. I think my first job out of college was in the management training program at uh, at a large uh, global uh, electrical distributor, uh, many uh, a couple of decades ago, and uh, I think that's uh, that that's really the, the beginning of the um, uh, you know sort of tipping my I'm an economics I have a BS in economics from the business school at the University of Dayton, and um, you know was not a technology guy. <laughs> um, the uh, electrical industry and communications was was certainly a, a step in that in that direction. And, uh, and just the, the basic nature of a distribution model uh, gives you exposure to a lot of different products, a lot of different product ranges. It also gives you exposure about how those products are used together and uh, how they get bundled together by the, the people that actually integrate and deploy technology. So you sort of get a firsthand view of how things get integrated in the different components of technology. And as I moved through my career, it got a little bit more higher and higher tech. Um, I worked for uh, Tektronix for uh, you know, for ten years, and we uh, we developed the first distribution channel products uh, for that company, and we rolled those out, and they were quite successful. They're still very successful today. I think they're the, still the largest selling products that that Tektronix had ever made. They're uh, oscilloscopes, uh, and then um, and then moved into uh, a, a little bit more on the uh, on the defense, uh, the defense and aeronautics and and security side. Um, which is uh, which was again another another case where lots of things have to come together to provide solutions to support um, uh, you know large aircraft and uh, uh, and, and armament sort of uh, platforms uh, and then part of the security piece uh, worked in it worked in a uh, in a security integration world in New York City uh, building systems for critical infrastructure and again there you know all of the pieces that have to come together. Uh, to be able to provide a secure infrastructure uh, are, are absolutely critical. So all of those, those sorts of things brought me to, um, to Barco and I joined Barco with their command center, the, in their command center business. So Dave, how long have you been with Barco and what is it that, uh, that they provide? So I'm starting my 10th year with Barco and Barco is a, uh, is a global manufacturer uh, of, uh, of visualization products. We, we provide visual experiences for customers in the, uh, the healthcare space, the entertainment space, and the enterprise space. In the healthcare side, we make high-end um, mammography and OR monitors, and also the, the gear that, that helps transmit the data from monitor to monitor at very low latencies. 
So it's getting the right visual, the right visual information to the right person at the right time in the right format with the right quality. So all of those things have to come together. The same thing in entertainment, you'll know us from entertainment, you'll see our projection systems and our LED systems around the world. You'll see the projectors at big museums, um, you know, mapping uh, images on buildings and, you know, events like the Super Bowl and, and large conferences. Um, and then on the, on the enterprise side, that's where the, uh, the command center team is, our operation, our command center uh, team, which uh, produces uh, control rooms for the power industry. About 80% of the power in the U.S. is monitored around Barco walls, Barco visualization walls. And we make uh, uh, you know, products for education, some distance learning products for education. And then the product that I'm most, mostly involved in now is, the, uh, is ClickShare. And ClickShare has been a very successful product. We're coming up on a million rooms around the world that have the ClickShare product uh, that enables sharing and, and now enable connecting to, uh, connecting to meeting rooms with, with the, the camera speaker mic uh, and being able to host uh, video conferencing. So uh, pretty broad range, but the, the common theme between all those is making sure we deliver the right visualization and the right experience for customers to be able to access information and display it where they need it and how they need it. So Dave, we were talking about uh, ecosystems and especially in the world that, that you are in, uh, there's so many different players and components and technologies. I mean, that's just looking at the technology itself, but then even going beyond technology, we have to market it, sell it, distribute it. <laughs> there's, there's a big web out there. Talk to us a little bit about the, the ecosystem part that you are playing in now. And then even you, you created um, this team on behalf of Barco, if I'm not mistaken, to launch this new product. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, so the, the product originally started out as ClickShare and it was a, a product that you plug a button into a laptop, <clears throat> you press the button and you share to a screen. So that was wireless presentation. And that's done very well. As I mentioned, we have about, you know, close to a million rooms that have a ClickShare product in it to, uh, to host collaboration and to host uh, content sharing. Uh, we added a, a great deal of capability in a new platform in the same family and it's called ClickShare Conference, and it uh, allows you to walk into the room, run any session, like we're running a Zoom session today. Uh, we could be running a team session or a Cisco, se a, a WebEx session, go to meeting, PECSIP, whatever it might be, walk into the room with your device running on your device, and you share that content to the screen, but you're also connecting to the room. And I'm using it here on the call with you today, Mark, but the um, you're actually connecting to the room. So you're wirelessly connecting to the camera, the speaker, the mic, and the display. Um, so it adds, um, it adds video conferencing capability to any room. And with everybody coming back to work now, everybody's now a PhD in, in Zoom and Teams, right? They've been using it for six or nine months, uh, eight or nine months out, uh, out in, you know, at home and uh, trying to figure it out. They come back and they're all experts at it. They'll be able to come back into the office, use the same user interface, and, and connect to the room and incorporate and include all those that still haven't come back to work yet. So it's gonna be very important going forward. So ecosystems for us were very important because we make the ClickShare product and we don't make the screens, we don't make the, uh, the camera, the speaker or the mic. So it was important for us to make sure we had an overall solution. So my team and I have, have, have focused on building a partnership, a family of companies that have come together, understand the product, 
uh, you know, have signed up to test with us to make sure it's compatible as we come out with new software uh, and to make sure we uh, promote it together. So there's a marketing element, there's a technical and engineering element, uh, and there's a strategy element. As Dave, we talk about well, there are strategies for, to grow different organizations or to grow our, you know, our teams to grow revenues. There's three ways we do this. Organic, we're going to build it ourselves. There's acquisition, we're going to get the checkbook out and, and buy our way to, to growth. Or the third way is through partnerships. Can you talk a little bit about just from your, your strategy of continuing to, to help this product grow, how you guys have looked at you know the lens of growth through through those different avenues? Yeah, so I'd say we have a hybrid at that as well. I mean, we talk about hybrid meetings. We have a hybrid approach to that. Of course, we have made acquisitions, uh, a series of successful acquisitions at Barco. Uh, the, what I'm focused on is is more the um, is more the partnership part, of course. And uh, in a, uh, I think it was a KPMG study, there's uh, most CEOs feel that the fastest route to innovation is through partnerships and not through acquisition. Not that acquisitions are bad, but, but the fastest way and the broadest way is through, uh, is through partnerships. And that's, uh, that's what we've, uh, we've focused on. And we've been focused on some of the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest and best names in the industry, you know, on the display side with, with LG and, uh, ViewSonic and uh, and now Samsung um, with um, on the uh, on the audio visual side on the AV side with the camera speakers and mics with Logitech and Polycom <clears throat> with Aver with uh, Yamaha uh, with uh, some new companies uh, Hudley and uh, and then some uh, tried and true you know companies that have been in the business for a long time like like Sure uh, we uh, we've uh, you know, we've had, we have a very broad set of, uh, of partners. And then the other piece I, the other piece I mentioned around that was the, you know, that's sort of the core, but we, we also take a, a, a larger view. So we, you know, if, if you think of that as the core and then the valence electrons that are just outside that, um, you know, there's, there's other influences, there's other software, there's digital signage, there's, uh, there's things like furniture, for example, you know, that has a big play for how people collaborate, how they work. Uh, it's where they live when they get to the office. Um, so we find that uh, working with the furniture companies has been uh, a very important aspect as well. Yeah, whenever you take an ecosystem approach, you go pretty wide with it and really understand all of the different components that, that can affect or impact um, you know, the customer's experience. Yeah. And I think that's uh, obviously a really smart way to go. Yeah, and we do try to focus on customer experience in everything we do. Yeah. So talk to us, Dave, if you would, a little bit about, you know, so we, we talk about the, the power that can come through cross-pollination. And whenever we are engaged in this partnering thing, we have an opportunity to work with and learn from other professionals, other industries, um, that, that we find ourselves partnering with. But, uh, you know, how throughout your career have, have you worked with or, you know, kind of cross-pollinated? You share these different uh, examples and best practices and just kind of different, different ways to do things better. How has that made an impact on your career? Yeah, I, I think that, uh, that's been core to, uh, to any of the partnerships and whether it's distribution partnerships or rep firm partnerships or sales team partnerships or now ecosystem partners, uh, having, those, having those, you know, those deep discussions about how we're going to go to market how they see the market, how we see the market, and 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 both sides, you know, sort of learning 
and and refining their uh, refining their pitch, so to speak, or refining their uh, their way to uh, to get to the market. So, Dave, you've set up um, some different channel partner programs or different partnering programs in general throughout your career. I'd love to just pick your brain and have you provide you know some of your insights, some of your lessons learned, some of those recommendations on. Whenever you're asked to stand up a new partnering program, what are some of those those first steps that uh, we got to make sure that we nail as business leaders? Uh, so uh, yeah, so I think when you when you start the process, of course, you know you survey the market and find out what's important to uh, what's important to your customers, what's important to the strategy you have around the product, and and what's the path in between, <laughs> and you pretty quickly can come up with. You know, you look at market share leaders in different in different sectors. Those would be uh, uh, would be clear. There's going to be some that are going to be com- more competitive than others, and you may have to you know not focus as much there. Uh, although you know, there's lots of opportunity to uh, to try to find common ground, even with people that where you have some overlap in different products. But you know, there where you where you have synergy, you you focus on that. And you're just very you know just be very forthright about hey, I know we compete over here on this, but you know, here's a space where we don't really have a conflict and we should see how we can help each other. And in some cases, it doesn't work out. In some cases, it works out uh, just fine. One of the uh, one of the exercises that we go through that's been very, uh, very valuable um, and uh, is, is a uh, we, we go through what we call a needs versus contribution matrix. So, um, you know, just like any good consultant would have, if you don't have a good four box matrix, you're not worth your worth your, you know, worth your salt. But the um, but the needs versus contribution uh, exercise is interesting. You take a look at the needs that each of the companies have, you know, uh, more exposure in one sector of the market, uh, more capability in, in one part of the solution. Um, and you, and you, you sort of size that up for both companies. And then you look at the, at the, at the contribution where, you know, what, do, what strengths do you bring? You might be strong in one market. They might be strong in another market. Uh, you may have, a distribution channel that focuses on IT and they have one that focuses on AV and unified communications. And if you cross pollinate those two, uh, you can expand both of your, uh, your market reaches. So, so we go through that uh, exercise and it's, uh, it's, it's quite helpful. The other thing we do is we, uh, we go through a, uh, a, a sort of a, a messaging palette and, and it's, uh, it, it's really a brainstorming session. You know, we make sure we bring all the common, all the elements together, you know, make sure we understand each other's branding guidelines, make sure we understand each other's products and what the key functionality and the market and the differentiators that each of those products have. Uh, bring, that, uh, bring that all into one, you know, we just bring it into one big presentation, so to speak, we all share. And then we go back through it. And then at the end of the day, we come out with some common messaging so how are we going to present this product to the market? What are the things we're going to focus on and, uh, and stress with, uh, with customers? What's the, uh, what's the real value, the combined value proposition that we come up with? And, uh, and marketing campaigns will spin out from that. Uh, sales enablement tools will spin out from that. Um, and that's, uh, those are two, two big components on how we, how we get started. Dave, I love how you talk about, um, you know, what, what I hear is, alignment, you know, just understanding what, knowing what you need as an organization, having your partner understand truly what they need, what's the value that they need out of it. And (laughs) any great partnership 
you have the mix, right? You have the ability, you have those, the synergies and you have the overlap. You know, we talk about having your, your partner's strategy, the avenue that they're going to be on the road, they're going to be on that path. You have to have intersection with that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and having those conversations up front to overtly explicitly have those conversations up front, kind of this dating phase to really understand what are those, those mutual areas of, of interest and need that we have, and then getting the, the commitment from each other to, to get that value out of the relationship. It, it boggles my mind how many times different organizations jump into partnerships and they, they don't really uncover, they don't go through the exercise that you just described to, to really get clear on what success looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we, you know, we want to put enough structure into it that we have, you know, we have a program. We just rolled out a new program with, with quite a bit of structure around it. And we're trying to automate some workflows to make sure that, that things can happen more easily on both sides. Right. So that it's a lighter lift uh, for both sides, but the, uh, it's also important to be, uh, to be flexible. Uh, you know, we, we've got to be agile as market conditions change. You know, we may need to, pivot and say, okay, well, we're not going to focus on that product as much anymore. We need to focus on this other product that you have. So let's, let's, you know, let's take a look at that. How do we run with that? So, so being flexible in the uh, partnership uh, is important as well as sort of the structure that you need to have around it. So Dave, talk to us a little bit about the perpetual management of relationships. So we kick this partnership off. Hopefully we've set some sort of explicit goals or milestones or intended outcomes for that. And then we have some, some metrics, some data, some KPIs that uh, let us know if, if we're on track for that. We've got our little scoreboard. And then we also have our ongoing meetings uh, where we're staying connected and having those conversations. Talk to us about what you see as kind of best practices for doing that, or maybe even looking through the lens of a truly strategic partnership, as opposed to maybe a more transactional partnership where communications or, or constant communications might not be as critical. Yeah. So uh, I mean, we have, uh, we have a regular cadence with, uh, with, with most, with many of our partners, uh, you know, uh, especially the, uh, you know, especially the ones that have bigger market share, we, you know, we want to make sure we, uh, you know, get the most out of those relationships. <laughs> the, um, I'd say that the, uh, the, the, the cadence of, okay, we're going to have a recurring meeting every week at Wednesday at nine o'clock, you know, that that's okay. Especially if you're in a sprint to get something done. But uh, I think in that case, you still, you have to also be flexible too, that, that it, it shouldn't be so regimented that you're, that you just have regimented meeting after regimented meeting. So uh, there's times for uh, there's times for that. There are times for, you know, business review meetings, either semi-annual or quarterly uh, business review meetings. Those are important. Uh, some of the new tools and we're, you know, we're starting to look at, uh, you know, more tools on how do we, how do we incorporate this into our CRM platform? Some, many people are far ahead of us on that. We just haven't, uh, we haven't initiated those yet, but, uh, but it's very clear that those kinds of uh, platforms uh, would be, are, you know, are useful for any of this any of this kind of uh, uh, this kind of relationship, it's actually, you know it's critical on the uh, on the distribution side because there's a lot more operational things happening. There's you know daily business flow and orders and 
you know, distribution orders and point of sale and all those sorts of things that have to get reported back. Um, so that has a um, that has a you know a, a real operational need. It can't it can't function without them. With the alliance program, you know, as we as we build it, we've been able to do it without it. But I can see clearly that we'll need more structure in in, in how the 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 program is uh, is managed uh, going forward. It just gets uh, it gets too big to manage manually. Yeah, Dave. How many how many partners? Or I mean, how is how big or how expansive is the relationships that you have now? Because it seems like you know some of your partners are coming at it from different angles. I would imagine you you, know, you talked about some uh, technology partnerships that that you have, and but then also on the sales front of how you'd have opportunities to get into new markets and to take advantage of some of those relationships. This this ecosystem area. Let's let's peel the onion a little bit on the ecosystem and just kind of talk about the different components yeah, when, that, that you're in with this product. Yeah, when we started uh, when we started the program, you know, a little over a year ago, uh, you know, we uh, for this particular product as it uh, as it was rolling out, we uh, we felt like we needed to have at least twelve partners that were you know twelve core partners, people that were you know we looked at the market. Um, we've actually uh, been been very successful. We have over 30 partners now, um, but you know some of those are core. Some are uh, smaller players. Some are in that outer, you know, in the outer rings of of uh, of, of influence. You know, some things that are ancillary to the uh, to the core to the core uh, product. But the uh, but we've got over 35 partners signed up for the program. So we've already uh, we've already blown through this year's goal. You know, six months ago we we set some goals for next year. And uh, we've, we're, you know, getting close to being there already. So it's, uh, it's growing at quite a rapid rate. The, uh, the, the, you know, part of it is um, that the market, it's very clear in the market that this is a need and it's a growing space and there's a lot of uncertainty in the market right now, especially with, with, the, with the virus and everybody working from home. When everybody comes back, how is that going to be handled? Everybody working from home has been doing video conferencing uh, you know, we've just gone through the biggest experiment in history with, uh, you know, human behavior on how how productive can we be, not uh, not in an in an office. And I think we've uh, we've proven that uh, not only can we do it, but that it it's actually you know a better way to have you know having a mix of of this hybrid mix is really a better way to uh, to accomplish uh, things. Yeah, no question. Yeah, no question. There's uh, there's uh, lots of CEOs and lots of business leaders out there that are learning <laughs> of different ways and better ways that they can uh, manage their finances and manage their resources, just given this experiment that, that we've been thrown into. Dave, what are some of the, as you look forward within your organization and in your team, the product suite that you have, the solutions that you provide, what are some of the greatest opportunities that you see over the next six to 12, 18, 24 months for, for your team and your organization? So I think the, um, I think the, the clear opportunity for our organization is, uh, you know, we have, we have meeting rooms that are all going to need to have some element of a, of a hybrid solution of being able to have the meeting in the office and incorporate a lot more people that are outside of the office than they, than they had been used to. Uh, there's about 40, there's between, depending on the, uh, the, depending on the research organization or the number you want to listen to, there's between 40 and 50 million meeting rooms in the world. 
um, that, uh, that, that really, if you're going to have a meeting, you're going to need to incorporate an element of this, this hybrid element of people that, that are not going to be there physically. And uh, so, I, you know, over the next two or three years, that's really going to be our focus is how do we address that, that space? Um, you know, do we address the work from home space as well? That's still to be determined, but, but our focus is clearly on the meeting room. Uh, and on the ad hoc spaces, it's an interesting trend that we're seeing that uh, actually started before COVID, but about 40% of companies are looking at non-traditional meeting room spaces to have collaborative events. So they're looking to use the town square in the, in the office space for, for a meeting. They're looking to use the cafeteria. They already have some displays in there. How, do we, how can we use that for a larger meeting when we can't get everybody into, a, into the boardroom? The boardroom used to hold 15 people. Now it can hold five, right? So where do we where do we have that collaboration session? So I think it's those kinds of things, you know, not only the meeting room but other spaces where where people need to collaborate. So David, obviously you've been uh, really successful, and it sounds like you really enjoy your role uh, being in in, a, in the partnership team and, and leading your guys' functions there. Um, what is it about partnering that caused you to stay? What is, what is it about this role that you enjoy that uh, has you want to really plant your flag in, in this specific role? Well, you know, I think, you know, in many respects, it's the best job in the company. I get to work with the best, you know, companies in our industry um, and work with some of the best solutions for, and, you know, for our customers, for our joint customers. So from that perspective, it's, uh, it's very exciting. The, um, you know, just the, uh, the technology and the, uh, uh, the ability to, to, to bring better experiences to customers is, is always fun. Uh, you know, there's an element of sales, there's an element of operations, there's an element of marketing, there's an element of overall business strategy. So it's, uh, it's, it's quite fulfilling. What is, what is the thing that you think is maybe the most misunderstood part about the role in strategic partnerships or guiding strategic alliances? What, what's maybe something that our peers in, in other departments might not understand about what we do? So I think, um, I think one of the things is, you know, putting a finger on because, you know, there, there's an accountant somewhere that's looking to say, okay, how, how many, uh, how many sale, how many dollars are attached to that? Right. And, uh, and that's all, you know, that's just like marketing or just like advertising, you know, uh, we think about half of our advertising is effective, but uh, we're just not sure which half, right? So, uh, you know, it's, it's that sort of, it's that same conundrum that we have that, uh, you know, getting more data and, and, and getting more analytics out of, uh, out of the interaction is, is becoming a little bit easier because people are focused on it and, you know, everything's driven by big data uh, and AI. So, uh, but I think that, uh, I think the, the one thing to try to put, uh, a number on on it today, so to speak, you know, is 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 difficult sometimes because what you do as a partner now with a with a company can have an effect for you know quarters upon quarters down the road that uh, that wouldn't have happened if you didn't do what you're doing now. So I think uh, the long term benefit uh, is is overlooked sometimes, uh, you know, for the uh, for the cost of the short term, you know, the short term cost that has to be uh, applied. But it seems that a lot of this in the partnering role, it's it's the long-term game. It's the long-term tool. You know, it seems like in, in sales, right, we have that monthly quota that we're working against. 
And in marketing, we have this strategy, but it's about getting certain messages out into the market within certain periods of time. But in partnering, a lot of times we're trying to weave together a web and, and we're dependent on these different actors and players that's, that are going to take part in this web. Sometimes it's an ecosystem, a, a you know, word that we've used a lot. So there's a lot more of interdependencies. And it seems that a lot of times people don't uh, understand the difference between kind of that more typical transactional nature of running a business and then really going up into the clouds and doing that strategic piece that involves a lot of different interactions. And to your point, um, sometimes we have to make pivots. Sometimes new opportunities open up that uh, we need to reposition for to take advantage of that. It's not always a straight line in the in the world of strategic partnerships. Yeah, you know, we can we can turn on a dime. You know, if we need to, you know, if somebody says, "Hey, we're coming out with a new product," you know, we can take a look at it and align pretty quickly, and then march off to try to uh, you know to 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 leverage or take advantage of of that new initiative that one of the partners has. And they can do the same with us. And, you know, we just start ratcheting, you know, our market shares up together. Dave, one last question for you, before we let you go, I'd love for you to talk to that young professional that's maybe in college or coming out of high school, whatever the case may be. And he or she is, is intrigued with this profession of biz dev, strategic partnering, strategic alliance management. What kind of advice would you give to him or her of things that they could do to position themselves to, to be in this role and be effective in this role in their career? So I think, I think a sales background is, is great. I think, uh, uh, you know, getting, getting a, a sales background for a couple of years is really important in all of this. Uh, you know, finding a role in a, um, in a marketing organization that covers multiple products uh, like a distributor or like a, 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 a reseller, a, a, one of the, you know, a, a direct marketing reseller, those kinds of roles give you exposure to lots of different companies. And I think that those would be uh, two areas that would be a good jumping off point uh, for, uh, for being involved in, you know, business development uh, and alliances. Uh, I'd also say that, especially now, you know, understand uh, as many platforms uh, that you can around, you know, analytics and, uh, and data capture, data collection, data visualization, uh, all of those sorts of technologies are becoming more and more important. I would, uh, I would have a real focus, uh, a real focus there. That's a differentiator. Uh, that would be a differentiator for you. Uh, and, um, you know, take, uh, you know, find roles where you can sort of take, uh, you know, where you'll have a, a, a view of the field and not be so focused on just one thing. If, uh, if there's roles that have products that have, you know, a nice, a good variety or, uh, you know, a distribution organization or, or a reseller, as I mentioned, uh, would be a good place to, uh, to get that kind of experience. I've heard lots of people talk about uh, the partnering role is almost like a, a general manager, like a, a mini CEO, just because, we kind of have our fingers in a lot of different pots. We, we see the company all the way across. You've mentioned a lot of these different aspects from marketing to finance, to product development, to um, execution, implementations, legal, doing agreements, those sorts of things. It's a very vast role. And I think that's awesome advice to just try to understand how business works first 
And understanding that, because I think that will really help position somebody for success. Yeah. And then, you know, understanding those, uh, you know, the basic components, you know, operations, sales, marketing, analytics, um, and reporting, uh, and then being able to sort of cut that across multiple partners. With 38 partners, you can imagine, you know, we've uh, 35 partners that we've had those kind of discussions with, you know, with the sales leads, product leads, marketing leads and, and executive management at, uh, at most of those places. So, uh, so uh, having, you know, having a sound base in, uh, in those main categories is, uh, is, is really important. Definitely. Dave, thank you very much for your time, sir. Thanks for sharing your insights. I greatly appreciate it. It'll be fun to watch you continue to, uh, to do your thing over there at Barco. It'll be fun to watch you continue to push this product out across the world. Hey, Mark, thanks so much. Appreciate the uh, opportunity to talk with your audience. Partnernomics podcast is brought to you by Partnernomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partnernomics podcast, visit partnernomics.com.